And we're back for another season of The Hills Are Alive, a movie musical podcast. Well, we're almost back for another season. Yes, this is um, what we would consider a bonus episode before we really get started. But we did want to give you some Halloween content, some holiday content to get us started. Just Uh, in time for spooky season. uh, We wanted to get some spooks in here real quick. (laughs) Um, So this week we're going to do... The Nightmare Before Christmas. A classic. A modern classic. A modern classic. I mean, at this point, it's isn't this like the 30th anniversary? Um, it uh, came out in 91. 1993 is when thought, it came out. I thought it came out in 91. 93. Hold Do you want to bet on it? You're right. <laughs> I think because I was watching this last night, there's a show on Disney Plus called Prop Culture. Yeah, I've watched a couple episodes of that. And there is an episode about about this, but I guess it's, I was thinking 91, because a lot of the development happened in 91. It took them three years yeah. to complete the film. Well, they're doing it frame by frame. It, I know. The, it's crazy. The amount of work that that must have involved is insane to me. Do you remember that episode of Parks and Rec where Ben uh, was laid off or he quit his job and he decides he's going to make... Like a claymation or a yes. stop motion yes. film. And he's yeah. worked on it for like hours and days and he has like one second. Yeah, it's like, I worked so hard. <laughs> yeah, it takes real uh, patience and dedication yeah. to one's craft to do uh, a movie like this. And w- one thing that was really interesting to me about this episode of this show is that a lot of the characters had like... Some of the characters had, like, different faces they could pop on to, like, move. Like, they had a different face right. for each, um, like, movement of their face. Yeah, for Jack, they had over 400 different... They had like, whole heads. heads. Yeah. yeah. Um, for every expression and every... I think they said we did A-E-I-O-U. Yeah. Happy, sad, neutral, etc. They said there were 400, yeah. And then over Sally had a mask. Yeah. Because they didn't want to mess up her hair. And the mayor had different faces, but, like, you could see... I, I, th- I thought it was cool that when they would, like, leave in little things like that, you can see, like, the outline of the mayor's face where they, like, pop the face off and off. Yeah, and but I think that was supposed to... He was supposed to look like, I think, a, a mechanical, like, figure right. of sorts. Right. So before we really jump in... um, I don't think we, I don't think we established why this is a bonus episode. Right. Um, we're actually going to start what we're going to consider our full season in November, and we're going to start um, in the 1930s with mm-hmm. the Wizard of Oz, and we're going to work our way through each decade up until the 2010s, and who knows, maybe even the 2020s. But it's a little early to yeah. decide on one film for the 20s. Right. But we will be doing. Um... The season will be switching to monthly instead of... I mean, I feel like we were doing, like... Yeah. Sometimes every two weeks, then sometimes it would be every three weeks, sometimes it would be a month. So we're going to try to just, like, you yeah. know, give ourselves a break, stick to a month. Yeah, it'll Especially be Especially since we keep recording extremely long episodes. Right. I don't think anybody needs, like, six hours of content <laughs> from us a month. No. Including myself. Right. Um, okay, so actually, I want to ask you a question... Yes. Before, um, again, before we deep dive, what is your relationship 
to The Nightmare Before Christmas, and did Hot Topic ruin it for you, too? <laughs> Goth girls ruined my life. <laughs> um, so I actually, my, you know, I kind of grew up in a Christian conservative house, and there were things that, like, we just didn't watch growing up. So this might be the first time I've really sat down and watched it all the way through. Oh, wow. Yes. Did you love it? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think I think I might have um, I think I might have seen it once before with JJ like during Christmas time at some point. Um, but I might have been uh, partaking in the devil's lettuce at the time. So. Alex. <laughs> so I um, <laughs> I also grew up in in a conservative household, though most things were not. I don't know. If something was banned, I wasn't allowed to watch it. I wasn't aware of it. Right. Were you guys allowed to read Harry Potter? Well, that was a little bit later. Yes. Yeah. You were older. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was like a, another like 10 years after that. And, you know, as as parents get older and like I'm the youngest, so things st- sort of start. Oh, yeah. To... The youngest gets away with so Abs- much more yeah, than the oldest. Absolutely. Yeah. But, like, early 90s and stuff, there was, like, satanic panic and, like, right. that kind of thing. And um, So I remember um, I watched it at my grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had, I had expressed I wanted to watch it. And my mom said no because she thought it would be too scary. Yeah. And, and I was probably seven, I think. Yeah. So that's reasonable, it is, it is I scary. feel like. But my grandmother, being my grandmother, was like, we'll get you whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> so we did rent it, and I instantly loved it. No nightmares and or anything? No nightmares. No, I thought it was amazing. And um, I, I, I continued to love it for a long time until it was just like, there is an oversaturation of Nightmare Before Christmas stuff for like emo and goth kids. Yes, exactly. For a very long time. And... I, I became sort of embarrassed by it. You know sure, what I mean? Like, yeah. I used to have a Jack... I mean, I still have a Jack Skellington Christmas ornament, and I did not hang it on my tree for a number <laughs> of years. But now I'm 33. I don't care. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I also think that it's sort of, like, rebounded um, back in terms of pop culture. Right. I, I don't know if it went away, but I feel like people aren't as, like... I, you know, I feel like it's... I roll about it. I feel like it's sort of, in the past few years gained its status as a classic you know yeah always kind of been a cult classic but has sort of gone gone into the lexicon of like classic christmas movies sure even though because i was thinking before before this like is this truly a Halloween movie or a christmas movie i think it's a christmas movie to be honest it was released Around like, Halloween. Yes. It was released like two days before Halloween in 93. I mean, it's a perfect, it's just a perfect start to the season. Yeah. Because Halloween really launches the holiday season. Right. Um, so you can really watch it at any time between October and December. Right. Um, or year round. I mean, who am I to, to stop you? Right. But it, it, I think it peaks for, you know, a, a solid three months. Yeah. Uh, th- those last few months of the year. But I think it's more of a Christmas movie. Okay. Because, like, honestly, the I think it takes, like, 20 minutes for him to get to Christmastown. Right. And I mean, that's the mo- main plot of the movie. Yeah. Is, and the rest it, of the movie know. is, like, trying trying to make Christmas. Right. Right. But it's very spooky throughout. 
Yes, and there, yeah, there are parts that are like more spooky than others. Um, so let's talk about. Let's get like some of the basics out of the way. Sure. Um, we already established it was released just before Halloween in 1993. Mm-hmm. Uh, the box office gross today is around 91, 92 million. Uh-huh. At the time, it grossed 50 million. So over the years, it's almost you know um, doubled right. what it did originally. And its budget was 24 or something. It was extremely low budget. Yeah, yeah. it was the lowest budget they had for any like Disney animated film. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, so let's talk about it being a Disney film, really right, quick. Right, because Tim Burton had been working for Disney for like. 20 years at that point. Maybe. Was it really that well, long? Ugh, maybe, fif- uh, maybe 15. He, I know that he had one like successful short film with Disney called Vincent. Right, and which it was, was very similar. much in the same style. Yeah, it was a poem that he turned into a short. Mm-hmm. Um, it was narrated by Vincent Price. Um, very, very apropos. Oh, and it was... It was Based, like, wasn't it, like, the, the plot was, like, the kid was slowly turning into Vincent Price or something like that? I think it was really similar to, um, I don't know. It actually, I've only seen it once. Um, yeah. But when I was reading the synopsis, it was sort of reminding me more of an Edgar Allan Poe yeah. type thing, where he's, like, sort of driving him, himself crazy with Going fear. mad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but it it was very successful. Um, now, what they mean by that, I'm not sure because I'm not sure how you measure the success how, of a how short, short film. Like, where released. did they even show it? Yeah, but they considered it a success, um, and that was in the '80s. And then um, that got f- them talking about doing Nightmare. And he also did Frankenweenie some sometime in there as well. But I don't think that was necessarily associated with Disney. So, yeah, so that was a sh- another short that he did, yeah. like a 30-minute special, I think. Yeah. That he did wind up finally releasing as a feature link. Yeah. Sometime, and then some they, 20 years later. I think they remade it as a feature. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Go on. Well, anyway, so uh, Disney was very wary still of releasing something this dark. Right. So at the time, and up until pretty recently, they had Touchstone Pictures, which I'm sure is very familiar to a lot of people. I don't think I ever realized that Touchstone Pictures was just a distribution channel for Disney. A way to release more adult things. And some of the craziest titles, ones you would not expect, came out under Touchstone, like Signs, Gone in 60 Seconds. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Royal Tenenbaums. Oh. So, yeah, that's wild. Interesting. I know. Um, So, technically, all of those are Disney movies, shockingly. Um, So, yeah, they chose to release this one under Touchstone because they were just very, very fearful Mm-hmm. Um, that the Disney audience wouldn't really get it or appreciate it. Right. But these days, Disney fully embraces oh, Nightmare Before absolutely. Christmas. I mean, a fun note. So me and JJ are kind of finally taking our honeymoon. So ah. we got married in October of 2019, and it was always our plan to do a honeymoon shortly after that. But obviously, as everyone knows, in March of 2020... Things changed. Things changed. So we haven't really had a chance to do anything. So we are going to uh, California. We're going... (gasps) 
Disneyland. Disneyland. When? Um, October. So you can go in the mansion. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm it's, so and, excited uh, for you. So the um, yeah, the haunted mansion is completely rethemed yes. as a like Nightmare Before Christmas <gasps> ride. I'm jealous. I'm too. so excited because they don't do it in Disney World. No, not that I go to Disney World, but it'd be a heck of a lot easier to get to than Disneyland. Right. Yeah. <gasps> Yay. So I will re- I will report back. Do I get to come as a member of the wedding party? <laughs> yes. Let's keep the party going. Yeah. Well. we'll... <laughs> yeah. Um. Anywho. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, Tim Burton, uh, as you said, was a Disney Disney animated for a Disney animator for many years before this um, finally came to fruition. Um, This was something that he was kind of working on for years. But in like 1980, 1981, he uh, Tim Burton was the animator for Fox in Fox and the Hound. Oh, yeah, I did read that, which and I loved Fox and the Hound. I know, it's... Uh, well, I love the first ten minutes when they're, like, little, like, oh, little yeah. and puppy. We'll be friends forever. Yeah. I think I stopped watching the movie after that. <laughs> um, so, um, so there was a story that one of the people who worked on uh, Nightmare, Before, Nightmare Before Christmas was telling about, like... Um, so Tim Burton was working on his sketches of the fox and, like, called him into the office, and he had this whole other thing set up. Of him, like, workshopping, like, Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. Yeah. And, like, the first, and the first, like, real, like, clay model of Jack was done, like, in 1981, 1982. Right. And they they stayed, like, very true to his original concept. It didn't change at all. Like, when no. they, they showed the actual first model in this show, and it's exactly the same. And so that's essentially why Disney built it as Tim Burton's... The Nightmare Before Christmas, even though he did not direct it. Right. A, a lot of people easily make that mistake. Because yeah. if you call it Tim Burton's, you're going to assume that he was, you know, leading the whole and thing. And he didn't even write it. He didn't, but I, I mean... I mean, I think <sighs> the, uh, the overall concept was his. There wasn't a lot of writing right. to do, except on the part of Danny Elfman, who composed all the music and lyrics. But do you know who wrote the screenplay? I do, and and there's there's drama well, she was um, sh- sh- was she married or just dating Danny Elfman at the time? Okay, well, I don't know about that drama. I know about other drama. Oh, okay. Well, the the, the woman who wrote the screenplay was with Danny Elfman. At and we the should time. say her name is Caroline Thompson. Yes, uh, Caroline Thompson, um, and she was given the task of writing a screenplay. They were like, "We need it now," basically. And when she had Dan- Danny Elfman read it, he was like, "Oh, that's not how I imagined it at all." Yeah, and she was like, "Well, it's already turned in. Sorry." And they and like, they ended up loving her treatment. They didn't. There were almost no edits on the screenplay. Um, there, like Tim Burton wrote like two things in the margins, and they just used it after that. Okay, well, I don't know about that because okay, um, and also this is her version of the story. Well, she'll she'll also tell you about this part of okay. the story. Um, Actually, let me let me back up and start with what Henry Selick, the actual director, yeah. said about her. And I mean, this sounds quite shady uh-huh. when you put it into well any context, really. But he basically said, you know, when we brought Caroline on, there wasn't much for her to do. I mean, there's just so little dialogue in between the songs, and you know, the main story was already there, so she was just filling in the gaps. It, yeah, it was just kind of like. I mean, maybe true, but... Whoa. Oh, my God. 
What are the- oh, he's oh he's mowing the lawn. Fantastic. Um, uh, anyways, that may be true, but still, like you can say it in a nicer way. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, all she did was write all the dialogue. Right. <laughs> so um, the the main drama that I was alluding to that I think Caroline Thompson, I mean, she has spoken very openly about this. She had objections to the character of Oogie Boogie. Oh. She was worried that it would be viewed as a racist caricature because... Um, I guess in her words, like, Oogie Boogie, number one, the the character itself resembles a Klansman hood, which, Ooh, I mean, yeah. I can see it, but also... Just I Just that it's a pointy head. I get, yeah, I feel like you have to, I don't know, I feel like it's just part of the puzzle that she's alleging. Yeah. Um, she also points out, you know, he's the only, like, black voice in the um, film and they made him the villain and then she says that Oogie Boogie is like a racial slur um, for black people or like maybe Boogie is oh. but I, I don't know I mean I'm not I don't want to say that she's wrong about any of that I just it wasn't where my mind went upon no realize, like um, recognizing the character I, I see it more as the boogeyman right um, and I definitely never have thought of the pointy head as a Klansman right. hood. Right, um, Because, I mean, he's made of burlap cloth. Right, right. Uh, now, if it was like a white sheet, I would have serious reservations. Right, totally. <laughs> um, you know, and In that case, then zero is really the Klansman. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, Henry Selleck said in response that, I mean, this is kind of... This isn't, again, not the best response, but his response is like, well, Ken Page does the voice and he's black and he's cool with it. Right. For the record, Ken Page continues to voice Oogie Boogie in video games. Like they did the Kingdom Hearts thing. Yeah. He continues to to do that that voice. And um, fun fact, Ken Page was the very first old Deuteronomy on uh, Broadway. From Cats. Interesting. Yeah. He he has a very good Broadway um, track record, musical theater track record. And Oogie Boogie is now like the face of Halloween time at Disneyland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like he, there's like a big Oogie Boogie that goes over the California Adventure gates. Um, and... Like the way that he appears in the, in the moon? Yes. He like, yeah, there's like, and they have like a big after hours party called the Oogie Boogie Bash. Oh. Um, so now, that's interesting. I, I should point out too that um, she wasn't alone in this concern. Uh-huh. Danny Elfman also shared this concern. And it's funny now knowing that they were a they couple. Were together, so yeah. they, they were probably sharing this idea amongst themselves. Um, he, I couldn't figure out like, why this was so specific, but he was concerned specifically that the NAACP was going to have a problem with it. And then, in fact, I guess they did come out and say that they didn't appreciate the the caricaturization. Yeah. But I couldn't actually find any statement that they had made. I found a lot of interviews and articles with Caroline talking about her concerns. Right. But I couldn't actually find anything from the NAACP. I mean, like, I do get it. I see what they're talking about. Right. I think you'd have to be willfully ignorant to not see it. Yeah. 
But I don't believe it was the intention. Of course, who cares? It's I mean, perception. Yeah. But, but I mean, even yeah. with intention, people have inherent racism. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I don't know. And especially like, I don't know, there's so much of like, you know, jazz or, or whatever that's viewed as like, right. as like some sort of, uh, you know, Satan-inspired thing, which is uh, in sinful or whatever, and that's sort of um, obviously a racist. Um. Well, so the jazz came from, um, gosh, what was his name? He was a jazz singer, Cav Calloway. Uh, they wanted to basically, I mean, they were trying to mimic him, because I guess um, in old Betty Boop cartoons, some of his music, the cartoon would be drawn to his music, and they would, like, over, you know, they would overlay animation on the actual singer. Right, yeah. And turn him into, like, this big, boisterous character. Right. And Henry Selick said, that's the idea we were going for. And, like, it was supposed to be jazzy, and it was supposed to be reminiscent of New Orleans. Like, right. it was just the vibe we were going for. Does that make it not racist? No. Because Does it make the, it racist? Because those, I don't know. Because those vibes or whatever and the association of like jazz with Is evil. Black. Exactly. Right. Um, yeah. One thing that uh, Caroline, what was her last name? Uh, uh, Thompson. Caroline Thompson actually did do. And I... I will go ahead and say that this is probably true because it was on the Disney program that they released. Okay. Uh, but she was responsible for um, Sally, basically. So Sally was at first written as kind of like a sexy vamp, mm. like a very like sexualized. Uh, yeah. Because uh, you know she was sure. she was built by the doctor as a what like as a wife or whatever. So he so she was supposed to be very sexy and like overtly. Vampish, mm-hmm. um, and it was Caroline Thompson who wrote her as like the different sort of like meek uh, character that she ended up being, but with like you know meek, but knew how to um, you know stand up for things when she thought that she had to. Yeah, I did read that they really. Um, oh, actually, and this relates to Oogie Boogie as well. Uh, there was a suggestion, I can't remember by whom, it was either Caroline or Henry Selick, where there's a suggestion that at the end, when they reveal what's underneath the burlap sack, yeah. uh, that it would be Dr. Finkelstein. Oh. And allegedly, Tim Burton was so not okay with that, because he was just like, it comes out of nowhere, it has nothing to do with the plot, it's not been uh, you know, alluded to in any way. Yeah, it wouldn't make any allegedly, sense. Allegedly, he punched a hole in the wall oh. uh, over it, yeah. Um, so they did not go in that direction. But mm-hmm. he, uh, and part of his reasoning, another part of his reasoning was that um, Sally wasn't supposed to be like a sexual figure necessarily. Like they wanted her to come across as more of a daughter. Yeah. To Finkelstein than a than a sexual like a sex slave basically. Right. Um, but you know that it's funny that you mentioned that because I didn't hear Caroline's name brought up in any of that discussion. Interesting. And you know what? There is only one woman animator on the entire crew. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It was the nineties. They they interviewed um, one of the one of the animators. You should watch the the special on Disney Plus and everyone Poetry. go watch the special on Disney Plus. And because they just they talk a lot about the process and everything, and they they talked to um, a bunch of the anim- animators as well. But 
I mean, I tend to... I mean, even though it was her who said it in the special, I tend to believe it because Disney themselves put it out. Right. That she was the one who made the change, but, you know. Yeah. Who knows? No, I believe it, too. Um, um, but, you know, right, she so does props use... props to Caroline Thompson. Uh, but she does use her sexuality for good ends up when she takes her leg off and yeah just a little bit (laughs) just a little bit uh so do you want to jump into a a recap just a quick little recap because not a lot happens i mean it's a short movie it's only just just over an hour long and i mean i don't blame them for it not being longer obviously this is such a time intensive process right um and it's, I mean, it wasn't even written to be, you know, a full length. Actually, it was, so when uh, Tim Burton was first developing the idea, Disney had wanted to maybe make it into um, like a 30-minute special, like a 30-minute TV special or something like that. Um, but they decided that it was too dark and they, they, anyway, they had decided that it was too dark to do that, but then came back and like obviously let him do a feature length yeah. Um, that they didn't necessarily have to put the Disney name on. Or... Right. Okay, so um, the movie begins where we just get a quick glimpse of all the different holiday worlds. And right. each entrance is through a tree in the forest. Mm-hmm. We have, obviously, Halloween and Christmas. Uh-huh. You Easter. Got Easter, Thanksgiving, St. Patrick's Day. Valentine's. Valentine's, yes. And then presumably Independence Day because there's like a little red, white, and blue firework type thingy. Yeah. Um, I think there's a like an equivalent type British holiday that, I don't know, somebody said it, it uh-huh. could also represent, but yeah. probably not. Yeah. Or is it Bastille Day? It's July 4th, <laughs> guys. I'm here to say definitively it's American. <laughs> um, so uh, we get a brief glimpse into the holiday worlds, but we go into, obviously, the Halloween the pumpkin door. door. Yes. And that's where we get the song, This is Halloween. Yeah. And we just get, like, a little glimpse of each character. Yeah, you're like, kind the of monsters in- introduced to all the spooks. Yeah. And, it, you know... <laughs> The movie, there's so much in the visuals. Like, there's all these little hidden things um, to look for. I mean, it, it's it's really astounding how many different characters they came up with. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of when I watch one of my other favorite Halloween movies, which is Cabin in the Woods. Okay. Um, they have, like, every different conceivable, like, horror movie villain type character in that movie. Yeah. And it's sort of a, the same thing where at some point they all uh, merge together and you're just constantly like, you know, your eyes are darting trying to pinpoint like all the different creatures. And, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's pretty neat. Um, I we... think my favorite is the vampires. <laughs> <laughs> the vampires are really funny. The vampires uh-huh. that walk around with umbrellas uh-huh. um, to shield themselves and from just the sun. Their, their voices are hilarious to me. They are. Um, we 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 meet of note the mayor of Halloween Town. He's uh-huh. he's an important character. He's voiced by Glenn Shaddix, who was also in Beetlejuice. He was. Um, what was he was the interior decorator okay uh what was his name Otto? was it Otto? i can't remember but anyways um another familiar face from the tim burton catalog right um and then we meet sally voiced by the incomparable Catherine Catherine o'hara of course yes 
Uh, we meet Oogie Boogie, as we established, voiced by Ken Page. Um, the clown with the tearaway face, that's actually Danny Elfman. Um, and uh, eventually we meet Jack. Who is also voiced by, well, his, <laughs> yeah. his singing voice is is Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman, and his speaking voice is, um, what's his name? Sir? Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon, Ex-husband yeah. of Susan. Uh-huh. They were married, I think, like, 60s and 70s. Famously, you might probably would recognize him mostly as Prince Humperdinck. Um, what? From Princess Bride. Okay, I... I've never seen The Princess Bride. What? I know. I don't. What? I don't like telling people that because that's how people react. <laughs> um, but that's that's my one like you haven't seen that. Right. Like, that's my movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but good to know. I didn't know he did other work. Honestly, I thought he was just Susan Sarandon's ex-husband. Um, but yeah, they they cast him because his speaking voice like eerily matches the singing voice it's, of Danny it's, Elfman. It's seamless it's crazy. i know i couldn't believe that they had two different voices yeah. when i first um read that yeah crazy uh okay so we we meet everybody in halloween town um we it's established that even though there is a mayor of halloween town jack is the de facto he's the he's pumpkin the true king. leader yeah he's the pumpkin king mm-hmm. um and it kind of makes it seem like that there is this like separation of it's very British like the mayor can't make decisions without I don't I don't it's like yeah no there's a line where I think it's supposed to be a joke maybe I took it as a joke on like elected officials never right. get anything done right because yeah he does shout at Jack like I'm just an elected official I right. can't make decisions on my own right well I guess it's the 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 opposite in the monarchy where the but where the the actual monarch can't make any decisions. It's the, it's the politician that has to do it. Look, but we established whatever. it's American. <laughs> it's an American film. But the mayor and the pumpkin king have to make decisions together. Anyway, so um, basically, uh, in addition to the introductions, it's established that they are six. They are celebrating a very successful Halloween once again. Right. So we're starting on, I suppose, November first. And but, Jack. Seems to not be satisfied with this. He's a anymore. little bored. Yeah. Yeah. He's even a though, bored even with though it. it was a great Halloween, he's not really getting what he used to get from it. Exactly. Um, within these few moments, it's also established. Uh, we've already really talked a little bit about Sally and her relationship to Doctor Finkelstein, who's the mad scientist character. She is a Frankenstein's monster. She is. Yeah. yeah. She looks like a rag doll that's been crudely stitched together. Right. Um, she is not comfortable with the suppression and is constantly drugging his soup or his drink, whatever. Yeah, she's trying with, to poison him over and over again. Yeah, uh, so that he'll just pass out and she can go off and do her thing. So um, Jack um, kind of escapes into this graveyard where um, he we meet Zero, his ghost dog, who comes yeah. out of his little... So this is Ghost Jack's Lament. Dog grave. The yes. song is Jack's Lament. And Sally kind of follows him and is um, spying on him, to, you know, making, yeah. making this I lament. think she, she went out there to get more night nightshade. Night, oh, yeah. Deadly nightshade. Deadly nightshade, yeah. But she sees she sees um, Jack, and this is where it's, it's mostly established that she does have secret feelings for, for Jack. Jack the yes. Pumpkin King. 
Um, so this is Jack's lament. You know, we've discussed what he's what he's uh, frustrated with. It's a repetitive existence, and you know, yeah, he's not getting the joy out of it that he used to. Did you know that um, Danny Elfman said that writing these songs and the voice of Jack Skellington was like one of the easiest jobs he ever had? Really? Because he, yeah, he related so much to Jack Skellington. Oh yeah, which can be sort of like. I think you can take it kind of creepy at first, but I think he's really just saying, like, I totally get, like, going from, you know, being successful to all of a sudden being bored and getting excited about something new and you feel really, really high and then it doesn't work. You know, just the highs and the lows. Because so, um, he is a very emotional character. I know that you're a big fan of New Wave. I love New Wave. So are you, like, does boingo, that... Boingo, boingo. Yeah, does that also make you partial to Danny Elfman for... Listen, when I was in high school and I wasn't tired of The Nightmare Before Christmas yet, I, like, bought a bunch of Oingo Boingo CDs just because I wanted to, like, know more about Danny Elfman. And yeah. I think, I, I'm not going to lie, I think I forced myself to listen to them a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't crazy about it. But I need to, I should, like, go go back and revisit because these were pre-New Wave days for me. This right. was purely to do with he was the composer on one of my favorite movies. Right, right. Um, but, but you know, you bringing up Oingo Boingo, uh, there's a line in This Is Halloween where they, they refer to tender lumplings, and that's, like, the name of an Oingo Boingo song. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, that's where the reference ends, but yeah, he did find a way to bring in well, Oingo it was, Boingo. It was started as a theater troupe called The Mystical Knights of the Oingo Boingo. <laughs> Um, and then at some point they decided to be a rock, uh, they called it, um, rock, new wave, reggae band. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we get, during this song, we get the iconic unspiraling of Spiral Mountain as he walks down. Right. Yes. Um. I like that Spiral Mountain. It's a short way to bring to mind uh-huh. exactly what we're talking about. Well, that's what they called it. And oh, did they? Yeah, okay. They had, they had a number of models um, that they showed during the, this prop show. Gotcha. Um, but they had the actual, because mostly, mm. love that. <laughs> um, Let's just give it a second. Okay. Um, and he's moving away that way. Um okay. Um, so, so yeah, the the spiral mountain there there are like three or four different ones that they used, and um, actually, so the ones that they showed, they had one like unarticulated regular one, the one with the mecha, the arc- articulation mechanism, and then they had another snowy spiral mountain, right? At um, the which end. which they had used. They had used it as a regular one earlier in production, and once they knew that they were done um, doing any shots of the regular Spiral Mountain, they just sprayed it over with spray foam to make oh, it snowy. Okay. Ooh, yeah. That's... Mm, I bet they were nervous before yeah. they did that. Yeah. Um, okay, so Jack um, spends the whole night walking in the woods. Meanwhile, the mayor of Halloween Town is at his house... Um, I guess because, you know, there's only 364 days. You have days. to start planning. Exactly. Well, if you if you live in Halloween Town, you got one job. And so basically they start this, like, search party for him um, because they can't find Jack. Um, but he's just been wandering around. Right. Thinking, thinking about his existence. And all of a sudden he stumbles upon 
mm-hmm. the holiday doors. Right. He's immediately drawn to the Christmas tree. Right. There, I mean, there's it's no question. It's the most question. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And and he says, "What is this?" And of course, that leads us into What's my this? favorite song. What's this? What's this? Okay. Um, And we we go to Christmas Town, which is just about as opposite of Halloween Town as you can imagine. Uh Uh-huh. And he just runs around and he's like, what's this stuff that's floating in the air? Sees all the little elves working. Sees all the little kids asleep in their beds. Why are they all so happy? Why are there no monsters under the bed? Yeah. Like, what are these little bulbs on everything? Right. And he's completely enamored um, immediately. And he decides pretty quickly, I got to go tell the townspeople about this and and maybe do even more. Right. Um, So, yeah, he let me see. I gotta actually switch over. Um, the mayor is still searching, doing the search for Jack. We have. Yeah. Sally is still trying to poison <laughs> Dr. Finkelstein. Um, and as they're like, uh, they are um, starting to get very worried about Jack, and just Jack, and, and just as this happens, he comes back with like yeah. a and sled asks for full a, of. A meeting immediately. Yes. And he has a yeah. sled full of Christmas stuff. Right. So he, um, I guess we, we pop back into Finkelstein's tower. Sally has once again right. successfully drugged him. So he's passed out. She goes to the meeting. And um, town, Jack. And we have town meeting song. Yeah. And he just tries to explain to them what Christmas is. Of course, he himself doesn't really get it yet at this point. But they're just as confused as he was. But the way that he's describing it to them sounds spooky. Right. I mean, they're just completely flabbergasted by the idea of a present. Like, right. what's in it? Like, dead stuff? Well, yeah, they're putting they're putting the description of Christmas into their own framework of how things work, which is Halloween-y. Yeah. The only thing that, like, maybe remotely makes sense to them is um, the great Christmas king, uh, Sandy Claus. Sandy Claus. <laughs> um, which which is, is spelled, like, Claus. Right. Uh, yeah. It's just fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I think then we sort of cut to Jack is at home and he's just sort of uh, stewing over trying to find the meaning of Christmas and he trying to figure out has, how do I explain to them how magical it is. And he's somehow gotten his hands on all of these books about Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> which, who knows where he got them? It's a good question. It's a really good question. But he's yeah. studying up on Christmas. He had to have stolen them. It was in his bag. Probably they were in his bag. They were in his bag. Um, and then finally, the last book that he reads is The Scientific Method. Yeah. <laughs> so he decides that he's going to go uh, ask Dr. Finkelstein, Finkelstein yeah. for a bunch of... Lab equipment. Exactly. And and just before he arrives there, we see that Finkelstein is, has had it up to here, and he locks Sally away. Um, later, it is revealed that that cannot stop her. Mm-hmm. And to escape, she just, like... Dr- jumps out the yeah, window. Yeah, she jumps out the window, which is really alarming imagery. Right. Uh, more so as an adult, I guess, than as a kid. And... Um, yeah, she comes prepared and just stitches herself back together. Yeah, she's always got a needle and thread. She's a good seamstress. Yes. So Jack conducts his Christmas experiments, which include, like, crushing up an ornament into bubbling liquid and seeing what, See what happens. what color it turns or yeah. whatever. Um, putting the ornament underneath the microscope, but mm-hmm. then it breaks. Yes. Um, he tries to replicate snowflakes, but all he can come up with is spiders. And it ends up, and this was a really funny shot, where it's like, 
all of these like Christmas, very Christmassy objects are like suspended in formaldehyde jars. Yeah. It's very funny. So Sally, um, as has been established, has a little bit of a crush on Jack Skellington. So when she jumps out the window, she brings with her a picnic basket that's got like a dead fish and something else in it. Uh-huh. And I guess just because of nerves, she delivers it to him kind of like on a rope and pulley system. Well, yeah, it shows hides. She, she had like concocted this bottle of something for him. Yeah, but when he pops it open, it just like sends out a little smoke butterfly. Right. Which I, I questioned, would he like butterflies? Yeah, who knows? I mean, do, are butterflies appreciated even in Halloween Town? Maybe it was a moth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't think it was anything like bad. I think it was just no. a cute little. But um. So he sees still... her out the window. No, I don't think he sees her. He does. And then she's gone. I think that... Okay, that's possible. I think he sees her for like one glance and then she's gone. That's possible. But when... I don't know. I didn't think she was gone. I thought she was just hiding... Well, yeah. ...outside because she, she starts playing with like a dead weed and then she has this vision where the weed turns into a Christmas tree and then it is all of a sudden completely engulfed in mm-hmm. flames and she now realizes that this is going to end terribly. Yes. Um, so then she has a new, obviously has a new um, mission to try to... Um, Prevent him right. from going any further. Yes. So then we go into the song Jack's Obsession. Yes. Where the townspeople are starting to notice that something is up with Jack. Uh-huh. As they sing repeatedly. Um, but he's giving them all different jobs and things to do to get ready for whatever his Christmas is going to be. Yeah. yeah. Like, in that song, he f- it finally, like, hits him that... I think there's a line where he says, like, just because I can't see it doesn't mean I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, so I think he's starting to believe in the magic of Christmas and he determines to take over the holiday. Yes. And that's, yeah. Then he starts doling out the tasks. Every townsperson gets their individual task. Right. Um, I guess starting with Finkelstein, who he enlists to create, recreate the reindeer. Right. Um, they're, they're going all skeletal. Right. Uh, and then he summons, I think after that it's lock, shock and barrel. Uh huh. The little trick or treater kids. Right. So Locke um, is Paul Rubens, aka Pee Wee Herman. Oh. Yeah, which I, I never realized that. I didn't know that either. Um, and then let me see. Shock, the girl one is Catherine O'Hara again, and Beryl is Danny Elfman oh, okay. again. But yeah, he, um, since I guess Tim Burton did direct Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He got Paul Rubens in on this one too. Um, so he summons the three little kids and enlists them to go retrieve Sandy Claus right. from Christmas Town. And and they the whole time that he's doing this are obviously not they are more into it in 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 an attempt to help Oogie Boogie. Yeah. Um, I mean they're just little shits through and right. through. I don't know what anybody else expects, but right. They're the worst. So, yeah, he, he's very adamant, you know, treat him nice, leave Oogie Boogie out of it. Of course, um, they decide to do the opposite and go into the song Kidnap the Sandy Claws. Yes. Um, and they, yeah, they concoct their plan of all these different ways they could torture him. Yes. <laughs> Which I don't think they ultimately do. I think they just sing about it. Yeah, they don't. Oh, yeah, all they like do is. Little children of the corn. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so while they set off to capture Santa, uh, what happens? Um, Jack is, um, he now he's attempting to create Christmas music. So he has them has the band play Jingle Bells. Oh, yeah. And he asks Sally to help him um, with the outfit. Right. Complete the look. Uh-huh. Just then, the little kids come back, and they've got the wrong guy. They have the Easter Bunny. <laughs> right. Um, but we followed your instructions, exactly. Uh, so Jack sends them back, um, demanding they apologize to the bunny, which I'm sure they did not do. Uh, and then we have Making Christmas. Yeah, but uh, this is kind of fun. Right before we go into Making Christmas, back at Finkelstein's, he's trying to build, like, a better Sally, right. basically, which, like, turns up to be a replica of himself. Right. Which makes sense. If you want somebody totally compliant, like, yeah. Yeah. Give him half your brain. Yeah. It ends up that, yeah. But, yeah, so then we go into Making Christmas, I don't know. The gist of this song is they are making Christmas. They're making Christmas. And we're down to 35 days. Uh-huh. And we have, um, you know, another little solo from the vampires. Love them. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and then in this in, in this song, we kind of, kind of have alternating shots of the oh, real right. Christmas town, like, getting ready for and real the Christmas. parallel. Right. The dark, spooky parallel. Right. In Halloween town. And it's just, like, horrifying versions of uh, what would be considered right. traditional Christmas things. Like, they're stuffing shrunken heads into, the, you know, the gift boxes. Uh-huh. They are um, stuffing, like, a snake creature instead of stuffing sno- stockings. Uh-huh. Some sort of terrifying version of a jack-in-the-box. Yeah. Which is already terrifying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so then we fast forward to now we're only 11 days. Uh, or during that scene, it's established we're only 11 days out. And then we fast forward one more time and we're down to what I want to say is Christmas Eve Eve. Uh-huh. Because they refer to Christmas as the next day, but it has to be Christmas Eve in order. Anyways. Right. It, this is pedantic. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's uh, Christmas Eve Eve. The, and... um, the trick-or-treaters have found Sandy Claus. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're bringing him to Oogie Boogie, and then we have Oogie Boogie's song. Is that right? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, in between, I think that, um, I mean, they do go to Jack first with Sandy Claus. Because I remember he has a line that's like, you don't have claws at all. Oh, yeah. And then, um, I think Sally tries to talk him out, like, she tries one more time to talk him out of doing whatever it is he's about to do and doesn't listen. And so he basically tells them, just make sure he's comfortable. After yeah. He, he takes his hat. <laughs> but they take him to Oogie Boogie's. Yeah. And then, yes, we do the Oogie Boogie song. It's very jazzy, very New Orleans. He's got a whole, like, uh, casino decor yeah. situation uh-huh. with a giant roulette wheel and um, armed armed um, slot machines. Yes. Um, yeah. So... Well, that, I mean, I don't know. Do you have anything more to add about No. I feel like we've really run the gamut on... On Oogie Oogie Boogie, Boogie, yes. Um, So the townspeople, they are preparing to send Jack on his Christmas journey. Yes. When a thick fog falls in. Yes, Sally has swiped this, like, fog-making potion. Right. um, That she puts into, uh, what does she put it? Is it like a fountain or a well or something where she pours it into... Which creates a thick fog over everything. Um, 
and paralleling the uh, Christmas, well, not the Christmas, not the Christmas story, but a Christmas, a a very familiar Christmas story from the fifties. Uh huh. Um, It turns out that the only thing that can light the way is Zero's nose. Yeah, which is it's hard to notice, but it's actually a jack o' lantern. It's not um, a red or orange dot. It's it's got a little jack o' lantern. Interesting. Oh, that's yeah. cute. Isn't it cute. Yeah. Details mm-hmm. they matter. Um, so yeah, uh, zero a la Rudolph. They take off into the night, um, and then we go into Sally's song where she's pretty distraught over yeah. the whole just about her feelings for Jack, which seem to be unreciprocated. Right. If he even notices them at all. Right. And um, she's worried about how everything is going to play out. Right. Yeah. It's a lovely performance by Catherine O'Hara. And, yeah, she's a lovely singer as anyone. I mean, if you've seen um, A Mighty Wind, you know this, too. Right. Because <laughs> that song, even though obviously a hilarious movie, that song, Kiss at the End of the Rainbow, is so good. She can do no wrong. Yeah. Um. All right, so, so we now go back we have, over to Jack. Yeah, and here we have like a montage of him doing what he thinks is like Santa duties. Yeah, just delivering terrifying presents. Yes, um, levitating dolls and shrunken heads. God, the shrunken head. Like that. The snake wooden thing. duck that chases them yes. and grows teeth out of its bill. Um, yeah, it's super spooky, and uh, all of a sudden the police are being inundated with reports of Christmas toys attacking households. And so they, they alert the military. <laughs> yeah. Well, as was established, it's America. Right. So the first place you go is the police and the military. And so then they have their, like, cannons firing at him, and he thinks it's a celebration. They think He thinks that he's... <laughs> They're congratulating me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, sure. So he, he he's finally is like, oh, you're getting a little close there. Like they're almost yeah. hitting him, and then finally, um, one of the reindeer gets hit, and then finally his uh, whole sleigh is hit, and he falls out of the sky. So Sally realizes that um, the only way to stop everything is to get Sandy Claus, right? So she goes over to Oogie Boogie's to try and save him, and this is where she detaches her leg and does, like, you know, just sort of sticks it out there for right. to distract Oogie Boogie. Uh-huh. And, like, sexy. Um, and it works. Um, so while the rest of her body is getting Santa out, um, she's got him distracted, but he turns around just in time, you know, right. before they escape. Yes. Um, also, bef- uh, before this... Um Somehow all of the monsters in Halloween Town are, they're all standing around like a cauldron or something. And they're no, it's, wa- a, it's just a radio. Like, they have a radio that But, the, but isn't the, there's, like, a, something that's showing them images in the middle where it's like they can see, like, American TV broadcasts or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's best not to overthink it. Right. So, anyway, they, they are up to speed with what's going on. They don't know what happens to happen. Uh, they don't know what has happened to Jack, but the mayor is telling everyone that he was blown to smithereens. Yeah, um, um, I think we then go into our next song is called "Poor Jack." Yes, and this is where um, Jack, having not quite yet returned to Halloween Town, he's just sort of lamenting how he failed, and um, 
by the end of the song, he shifts gears and realizes he has to set things right. He has to set things right, but also like he's the pumpkin king. Halloween is is his domain. So he needs to surrender Christmas back to Christmas Town. Right. Yeah, set things right. So he's all, now he's on the same page as Sally. Um, so we cut back to Oogie Boogie's lair, and he has um, he has Sally and, and uh, Sandy Claus and Sandy Claus suspended over something. Yeah, some sort of and fire he's cauldron. Playing like a roulette style game where with. Um, each roll of the dice, you know, whatever the number is. He... That's how many cranks you do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but Jack rushes back to Halloween Town just in time. And um, he saves them, essentially. I mean, he gets into a battle of sorts with Oogie Boogie, and he winds up saving them uh, when he notices that Oogie Boogie has a loose thread on his burlap sack. And Jack just simply... Pulls, pulls it. it and then gets it caught in the mechanism. And he unravels and it's revealed that underneath he's just like a big collection of bugs that have somehow taken on like one one brain. Yes. And one speaking voice. Right. And that apparently there were like, they had to make individually like hundreds and hundreds of bugs Blech. for that uh, for that reveal. I mean, just nuts. Yeah. Um, so the bugs scatter. They get... Um, Apparently, Sandy Claus has had the ability to, like, fly himself this whole time. <laughs> he, and he's, like, very cool about everything. Yeah. He's he's just like... He's like, I just gotta get time. back. Yeah. There, yeah, he says there's plenty of time... It's Christmas. ...for him to save it. Yes. And he says, the next time you think about taking over a holiday, listen to her. Right. So, um, yeah, everyone's super chill about his hijacking of Christmas. Yes. And, um, yeah, then I guess we finally get our Jack and Sally. Everything's resolved and we get our Jack and Sally moment, Um, finally. But as as Sandy Claus is flying away, he makes it snow over Halloween Town. And that's what you were talking about earlier with, you know, at the very end, they just sprayed the... The fake stuff yeah. over that, um, uh-huh. what did you call it? Spiral Mountain. Spiral Mountain. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, would have just, I, I can I can only imagine how nerve-wracking that must have been. Right. Because, like, there's no going back. Right. Ooh. Um, but it worked out great. It um, worked but then out great. they, like, they showed, like, his little footprints are still in it. Yeah. Um, and they were, like, basically, like, the way the spray, the, the way the spray foam worked, like, they just had to press his little feet down into it, and it... <laughs> And it would make like little, what looked like footprints. And so afterwards, the animators would go back and like mold a little bit of clay around each footprint to like make the like little snow piles around it. It's very, very cool. Do you know what that reminds me of in Phantom of the Opera when (laughs) they forgot to edit out or, or no, rather they forgot to include footprints for all of the people on the snow the, on the roof yes. where, where it's snowing the whole time. Right. Yeah. Ugh. So bad. <laughs> so bad. Um, um, so we get a, uh, we get a, this, we get a, we get a little, re- a reprise of yeah. like a lot of the songs that uh, yeah. happened throughout. Um, but Sally kind of escapes by herself and goes and goes and sits on top of snowy spiral mountain and Jack goes and finds her. And they um, have their, their moment. They have a moment. They sing Sally's song together and embrace and kiss. And that's 
the movie. Le Fin. Uh huh. Fin. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's not. Oh, whatever. <laughs> okay, so overall rating. Overall rating. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give it an A. I mm-hmm. think. Um, considering the time and like the I don't know the effort that went into it and and you know just an overall. Um, originality originality and like and uh, how rare is it to actually have an execution of something that is so close to what you wanted it to be I think done any other way like it probably would have scared me as a child but they somehow nailed like scary without actually being scary, if that, if that makes sense. Isn't that kind of like... Um, <laughs> they Tim nailed Bur- horror, yeah. but on a really delightful um, level. Isn't that kind of like... That's kind of Tim Burton's MO, though, you know? It's like yeah. do, creating, like, whimsy out of Dark horror. whimsy. Yeah. yeah. Henry Selleck describes it as um, a combination of, like, German expressionism and Dr. Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, which I, I mean, can see. And honestly, the, okay, so the, I mean, the initial idea was for it to be sort of a send-up of, you know, the classic claymation Christmas movies. That was movies. the inspiration, yeah. yeah. Um, of the, what, 50s and 60s, was that when they were mm-hmm. made? Um, and in order, yeah, in order to be like, what would this look like from a Halloween perspective or right. whatever, you know? So I think that it, it is totally fair to say. Um, it, I mean, it's completely accurate to say that this comes from the mind of Tim Burton. Yes. It would not exist without Tim Burton. Yes. Henry Selleck says <laughs> that, well, that is all true. Um, he didn't really participate at all in the making of the film. He says... We saw Tim Burton five times in three years. Wow. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, rightfully so, or understandably so at least, he's a little frustrated with the fact that it's Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas because everybody thinks that Tim Burton directed it. Right. When he really, according to Henry Selleck, didn't have that much involvement. I, I don't I don't feel like I could say I could I couldn't go quite that far in saying he didn't really have anything to do with it because again it would not I mean, exist his, without it's, him it's his brainchild he developed it's, all of those characters yeah and like the, you said he came up with the drawings and the clay figures like very early yes. on and the plot right you know i mean i mean if it belongs to anybody else i'm not going to say it's not henry Selleck, but certainly danny elfman yeah should be included in the in the picture but yeah. you can't call it Tim Burton's Danny Elfman's and Henry Selleck's The Nightmare Before Christmas. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, But I also understand where Henry Selleck is coming from. That must be very frustrating. Well, I mean, officially, what is Tim Burton's role? Producer. Producer. Yeah. And even Tim Burton said, you know, it really became a branding thing. You know, they, they wanted to tie his name to it again out of concerns that they it, weren't going to hit their core audience. Right. And so even Tim Burton's recognized that, yeah, it was this branding thing, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. And even, I mean, at this point, at this point, Edward Scissorhands had already come out. Um, what year did Edward Scissorhands come out? 
wasn't Edward Scissorhands like 89 or 90? I don't know. I know that he had done Beetlejuice and he had done Batman. And the reason he couldn't commit fully to directing Nightmare Before Christmas, well, two reasons. One, he was working on Batman Returns. And two, he did say, like, I really don't want to get involved in stop motion because it is so tedious. Uh, Batman Returns is incredible, (laughs) by the way. With, um... Um, Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer and Danny DeVito. Um, Edward Scissorhands was 1990. Okay. So, yes, it had come out. Yeah. Um, so, he already had an established brand and a voice. Right. And, you know, and, and these were movies after he left Disney. Right. Like, he he was doing a lot better at that point without them. The right. only reason he went back was because he learned, like, around 90, he wanted to start revisiting doing this project. And he realized they still have the rights. Right. So he had to go to Disney. Right. But it, it worked out swimmingly. Mm-hmm. Just wonderful. Uh, but I don't think I need to say it, but I also give it an A. Yeah. Yeah. It's an A. Um, we did not really talk about recasting with this one because it's, I don't really know. I mean. I, where do you even start with it, that? Think, um, yeah. First of all, I mean, everyone is still alive. Also, the casting is such a part of what this movie is. Um, apparently there are rumblings of a sequel, though. Okay, so I think I've got the 411 okay. on the sequel status. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of my favorite things about this movie is that thus far they have resisted the temptation to come up with a sequel. Because right. early on they were talking about maybe a Valentine's Day, since now Jack and Sally have a thing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Thanksgiving, just because Tim Burton really likes Thanksgiving, apparently. Oh, okay. Um, but ultimately, um, they've they've gone against the idea. At one point, Disney was pitching like um, a computer. Uh huh. At one point, Disney was pitching a computer animated sequel, and mm. Tim Burton shut that down. No, he can't do that. Ugh, would have been awful. Yeah. Um, and then. Yeah, it keeps coming up, but the most recent development has been in, it was February of this year, the year of our Lord, 2021, Uh and uh, someone, I I apologize, I don't have the name, someone announced that they are writing uh, maybe a graphic novel or a novella Mm -hmm. that will serve as a sequel to... The Nightmare Before Christmas. Sure, and I'm guessing... But, I mean, it's going to be a... I don't know. It's, uh, it sort of feels like the way that they came out with The Cursed Child after the Harry Potter series, and it's a sequel, but, like, is right. it? I'm not... And, you know, I mean... It is, I guess they. I guess they could, like, if the graphic novel or whatever does really well, that could, you know, have give them the incenti- incentive to make the sequel or I mean yeah because Henry Selick has said if Tim wanted to do it I would do it Chris Sarandon has said I'll absolutely do it but I mean what else Chris Sarandon doing these days I'm sure that I mean Danny Elfman obviously loves the project Catherine O'Hara said she would do it yeah yeah I mean it, it is it is the day of reboots yes and I would much obviously much rather have like they're not gonna remake it um much rather have a sequel than some sort of remake. Um, but also, like, like I said, Nightmare Before Christmas is so important to Disney 
Yeah, now, these days. Now that, like, I'm sure that they would love to get a sequel going or whatever, even if it's just to, like, make sure that they are retaining the um, IP of the whole thing. I will say, although they've got plenty of time left on that IP. Okay. Um, but I will say that... I think that in this instance, Disney does respect the audience a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think they recognize that there is a, a cult following. Uh-huh. The only reason that it's been as successful as it's been is because of the cult following. Right. Like, it did fine in theaters, and it was a critical success. Yeah. But it wasn't huge with audiences, I think, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, so I think they do owe and and recognize that they owe a lot of credit to that cult following. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know I I don't think they would jump at doing just any. It would anything, have to well you know? yeah it would have to be the right thing yeah. Um, but you know I still don't if if it was the same the the same team I'd be all for it you know if, I wouldn't. It would have to be you know yeah. You know, um, another Touchstone released film was Turner and Hooch, and they did bring that back as a series on Disney Plus recently. Yeah. It hasn't gone well. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it either. I've they heard also, it's no good. They also brought back uh, Doogie Howser. Yeah, but she's Hawaiian now. Yes. And I a she. I haven't watched it. but I don't, And I'm, I apologize. I don't know the name of it, but I didn't bring it up. So It's called like... Doogie MD. I don't know. It's like, you know. No, she has a Hawaiian name. But it, it's called Doogie, though. No, it's not. I promise. All right. Just a second. Okay. I'm going to go on my do Dis- it. Disney Plus app. Do it right now. Let's see. While you do that, I'm going to talk about uh, awards. Mostly just the Oscar that they lost. Um, I found it. What is it called? I uh, can't pronounce. It's Doogie Kamiloha MD. It's we were like, both right. <laughs> see. Yeah, no, I see. You don't okay. have to show me. I believe you. <laughs> I think you're lying about it just to be like half right. We were both, you we're were both right, right, I was right. Yeah, yeah it's fair. Um, okay, so they were nominated for one Oscar. Mm-hmm. Best visual effects, first animated film to receive such a nomination. It lost to. Jurassic Park. Oh, under, I mean, I understandable. Gotta, I know, I gotta give it to them there. They got that one right. Yeah. There was also this movie called Cliffhanger nominated. Okay. I have not heard of it. I didn't recognize a single name. Yeah, sounds like some sort of action yeah. movie. I could have clicked on it. Didn't feel like it. Um, and there were a lot of things they were talking about in this uh, special that I watched. Sorry to keep bringing it up. but oh, Wait, say it again. The, you watched a special, what was it called? Um, it's just the episode of... Uh, no, I know. Okay, sorry. It's called but say prop, it again for called, anyone that's curious. It's an episode of Prop Culture okay. on Disney+. Plus. Um, so um, this was not only just, like, obviously stop motion, but re- incorporating a lot of effects that um, hadn't really been done before in stop motion. You know, they had obviously had smoke and fog and fire and moving water, which mm-hmm. I'm not exactly even sure how they did all of that. I know they used a lot of clay and changed the texture because um, they wanted it to look very much like a living illustration, uh-huh. which I think they achieved. 
Um, I know that they did do some traditional animation overlay yeah. on top of the stop motion for things like the ghosts and the, you know, more subtle things like that. Yeah. Um, and I know that they had, this to me is the most interesting, like, effect type thing they did. I don't know if it's an effect or if it's just the process, but they, you know, they built all these sets and they would put trap doors underneath so that, like, you know, a puppeteer could pop up really quick, change them, pop back down. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a little stuff you would never, ever think about. Yeah. But then you get in there and realize just how difficult it is. Well, when you think about... And they about... came up with all these innovations to avoid that. Right. Avoid when you th- But when you think about something like fog, that's not something you can control frame by frame. Right. And like they were going did... like 24 frames per second. How did they do that? Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I mean, the fog may have been drawn over top. Yeah, either drawn over top. I mean, there, there were. This was a time when things were innovating. As far as CGI, like, I mean, I don't know. But again, I mean, it, it, it did have big special effects. I mean, the whole yeah. movie was basically special effects, um, and that was recognized right. by the Academy. But I feel like, for the most part, what they were doing is what we consider practical effects. Yeah, I guess special effects isn't right. It's visual effects. Right. There's a difference. Right. And what, I mean, most of what they were doing was practical effects, but when, but when you get into things like smoke, fog, fire, water, how do they, I mean. Uh, or when you get into things like Tyrannosaurus Rex, Velociraptor. <laughs> Uh, you know, those ones that run really fast. Obviously, Brachiosaurus. Obviously, Jurassic Park was... Yeah. I mean, probably the biggest innovator in special effects of our time. I could do a whole podcast about Jurassic Park. Yeah, I mean, obviously it deserved the Oscar. I don't think there's been another movie before or since that's... Star Wars, maybe? Yeah, that, like, pushed the medium... Far, I would say Star so Wars. So far, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. Anyways, that's not why we're here. Uh, do we have any final impressions? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, loved it. I mean, just anything else that we we really want to get in? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, no. No. Anything? Anything else for you? Oh, I will say no. Nah, I don't need to say that. No. Well. Thank you for joining us, everybody, for this bonus episode, getting back into the swing of things with The Hills Are Alive. Um, we'll see you next month. We'll In be, November. Yeah, we'll be discussing The Wizard of Oz. Yes. Judy. Yeah. Um, once again, thank you to We Own This Town for putting this out there for us. And you can find us on Instagram at The Hills Are Alive Pod. Thank you so much. Yay! It was insanely noisy outside. So oh yeah, all the, all of the. That's when the lawn. Cr- and obviously, of course, they're gone now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>